1 Samuel 28. In those days the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. Achish said to David, Know assuredly that you will go out with me in the army, you and your men. David said to Achish, Therefore you will see what your servant can do. Achish said to David, Therefore I will make you my bodyguard forever. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him, and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. Saul had sent away those who had familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. The Philistines gathered themselves together, and came and encamped in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they encamped in Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. When Saul inquired of Yahweh, Yahweh didn't answer him by dreams, by Urim, or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek for me a woman who has a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. His servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman who has a familiar spirit at Endor. Saul disguised himself and put on other clothing and went, he and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. Then he said, Please consult for me by the familiar spirit, and bring me up whomever I shall name to you. The woman said to him, Behold, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off those who have familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? Saul swore to her by Yahweh, saying, As Yahweh lives, no punishment will happen to you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He said, Bring Samuel up for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. The king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said to Saul, I see a god coming up out of the earth. He said to her, What does he look like? She said, An old man comes up. He is covered with a robe. Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and showed respect. Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me to bring me up? Saul answered, I am very distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me, and answers me no more by prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have called you, that you may make known to me what I shall do. Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since Yahweh has departed from you and has become your adversary? Yahweh has done to you as he spoke by me. Yahweh has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbour, even to David. Because you didn't obey Yahweh's voice and didn't execute his fierce wrath on Amalek, therefore Yahweh has done this thing to you today. Moreover, Yahweh will deliver Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Yahweh will deliver the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. Then Saul fell immediately his full length on the earth and was terrified because of Samuel's words. There was no strength in him, for he had eaten no bread all day long or all night long. The woman came to Saul and saw that he was very troubled and said to him, Behold, your servant has listened to your voice and I have put my life in my hand and have listened to your words which you spoke to me. Now therefore, please listen also to the voice of your servant and let me set a morsel of bread before you. Eat, that you may have strength when you go on your way. But he refused and said, 
I will not eat. But his servants together with the woman constrained him, and he listened to their voice. So he arose from the earth and sat on the bed. The woman had a fattened calf in the house. She hurried and killed it, and she took flour and kneaded it, and baked unleavened bread of it. She brought it before Saul and before his servants, and they ate. Then they rose up and went away that night. This is an interesting, interesting chapter. And uh, boy, do the commentators diverge on this one. <laughs> uh, as you can imagine, when we're talking about the Witch of Endor and mediums and all of this, there's so many opinions. And uh, anyway, here's a few thoughts on all of that. In this chapter, the Philistines are mobilizing for war. And it starts out by King Achish, Achish saying to David, you know, join with me, we're going to attack. And David says, very well, you're going to see how good a fighter I am. And Akish wants to put him in the front. And um, so this is, remember I mentioned in the last chapter about David as a double agent and uh, the tricky position that he was in. <laughs> well, you imagine this, he's now going to fight against Israel. Now that's a super, super tricky position. And uh, meanwhile, uh, Saul is uh, terrified. Now, it says that they were gathering for battle at Gilboa. Now, Israel, if you know anything about the geography, Gilboa is further north. The Jezreel Valley, like there's this mountain range that runs all the way up the, you know, what do they call that thing? The central mountain range, I think it's called, runs all the way up. And there's a, a, a valley that runs through further north called the Jezreel Valley. And Mount Gilboa is really close to that. So there's a flattened area. The Philistines are normally further down south on the coast, and they've got a lot of chariots and stuff. The Philistines love their chariots. <laughs> but Judah, you know, Israel, a lot of the country was hilly because there's these mountain ranges. The Philistines really struggled in the mountains with chariots. But this is a, a, the Jezreel Valley further north, and it's great for chariots. There's a lot of flat land, and this is where the Philistines mobilized for war. So we get the sense here that the Philistines are expanding their territory. So they're conquering land up north. And I guess they're threatening to cut off the very top of Israel from the bottom of Israel. They're putting a cut right through. And uh, I, I tried to read various commentators on this and I didn't find a really good comment on the, the military side of this. There probably is one, I just didn't find it. But anyway, I guess it seems to me that the Philistines are expanding and David, of course, is on their side. He's asked to join in the war. Saul is, is supposed to retaliate. He's supposed to defend, and he's terrified. And he wants to find out where the Lord is in this. But the Lord has rejected Saul. The Lord rejected Saul chapters ago. And Saul has done the most craziest stuff. I mean, before, the Saul seemed to never have any regard for what the Lord wanted. He was definitely not a man after God's heart like David. And, but Saul, he, he does the craziest things. Like he killed 85 out of 86 priests, completely destroyed the city of Nob with all the priests' families, children and all. Now, you'd think after doing that, that it would take a lot of gall to go and inquire of the Lord and say, what do you want? <laughs> the Lord had rejected him anyway. And in fact, the Lord was putting him to death. The Lord was going to use the Philistines to put Saul to death. And we find that out in, in 1 Chronicles, I think, chapter... 10 verse 13 and so the Lord was not on his side at all he inquires of the Lord 
and the Lord just does not answer him. He, he, you know, he prays, he asks prophets, he, he doesn't, he, the Lord won't give him dreams. The Urim and the Thummim, which was a method of inquiring of the Lord, it was gone. David actually had that with the, with the ephod. So Saul has no way of inquiring of the Lord, so he decides to do the unthinkable and approach a medium. So these are people that use witchcraft, sorcery, necromancy, all sorts of, you know, the dark arts to uh, basically talk to demons. Now, in theory, a medium is someone that, that can talk to the dead. So Saul's thinking to himself, I want to talk to Samuel. So in his mind, in his twisted way of thinking, he's consulting the Lord because he's thinking, I'm going to bring back Samuel the prophet. But, you know, he, he's clearly not thinking uh, properly at all. So he goes to this medium. Now, mediums were outlawed in Scripture. When we went through the book of Leviticus and the book of Deuteronomy, it's at least in those two books. Deuteronomy 18, verse 10 to 12, the Lord outlawed mediums and sorcerers. And in the book of Leviticus, it commands that they should be put to death and expelled out of the land. They were not allowed to be there. These are Old Testament passages. But in the New Testament, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21 Paul lists witchcraft as one of the fruits of the flesh. You know, one of the ways that people live when they're not following God, and in that same passage it says that people who live like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. So people who, who follow this type of way of life will not find themselves in heaven. In Acts chapter 8, there's also a story of a man called Simon the Magician. You can go and read all these parts of your own, and we'll get to them at some point. But Simon the Magician, he saw the Holy Spirit's power at work and he wanted it for himself. So now here's a man who sees genuine spiritual power that comes from God, but he wants it for his own magic purposes. He doesn't want, you know, the spiritual gifts, the Holy Spirit's power is given to serve God's people. The Lord does amazing things through spiritual gifts, but it's for the purpose of building up the church. It's for selfless purposes. It's for serving others. But Simon the Magician wants these powers for his own purposes. He's wrongly motivated. And so um, even that, even the Holy Spirit's power for the wrong reason, God does not like. And you can hear, you can go read Acts chapter 8 and see what Paul had to say about that. <laughs> not nice words at all. So I guess the question we would ask is, why, why would God be displeased with mediums like why would God be so angry about the idea of consulting a medium well it's probably a lot that could be said about this but I think that when you consult a medium you're you're consulting someone other than the Lord the Lord it's not only that the Lord knows best um, but it's you're basically putting someone above the Lord now from a purely practical level when mediums, um, I guess a secondary question might very well be, do mediums really bring up the dead? You know, when, you can, when someone consults a medium, is what they do really, does it really happen? And there are lots of opinions about this. My take on this, it would be that it's demonic. And that when a person consult, when a medium does its work, what's happening here is that a demon is pretending to be that dead person. So there's something strange, spiritual, strangely spiritual that does happen, but that the person who is consulting the dead thinks they're really talking to someone, but it's demonic deception, and it's evil and it's wrong. And so from a purely practical point of view, 
when you consult a medium or when anyone consults a medium, you're consulting demons. And this displeases the Lord, not just because demons seek to rob and kill and destroy, not just because they hate people and not just because they're opposed to God, but it's because you're putting your faith in something other than God. It's idolatry. It's, it's putting something in a higher place than the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you consult the Lord, what you're doing is you're putting faith in him. You're saying, Lord, I know that you know what's best. And we're always encouraged to consult the Lord. Here at Peace, we've talked a lot about the idea of listening prayer, spending time with the Lord and giving him a chance to speak. And this pleases the Lord. The Bible says that, that without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. And consulting the Lord is a type of faith because it shows the Lord that you trust him, that you want to know what he has to say, that you want to do things his way. You believe that his way is the best. So it's a form of faith. When someone consults a medium, you're putting your faith in demons. No wonder the Lord hates it. And it doesn't lead to any type of life at all. Now, what about in this particular story? Does the woman bring up a demon or does Samuel really come up? Um, in the Old Testament, apparently in the Hebrew language, the word for this can also be translated ventriloquist. So this has caused some of the commentators to think that the woman was pretending that Saul was there because in this story, she sees Samuel, but Saul doesn't see Samuel because Saul says to her, what do you see? And she says, I see an old man dressed in a robe. And Saul says, that's him. Now, if you were going to make up that you saw Saul, you would say an old man with a robe. Of course, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> so some of the commentators think that she's making it up, that because the Hebrew word means ventriloquist, or can mean ventriloquist, they think that she pretends to see Saul, and then she uses her ventriloquism to project you know, a Samuel kind of a voice and say the things that Samuel said. That's, this is their way of avoiding the spiritual side of it, because some commentators, in fact, a lot of commentators are really kind of afraid that anything spiritual could be real like this. But we know just the Bible itself is so overtly spiritual. There are so many things that God has done that can only have happened supernaturally that, that it's not hard to, to, to accept that the devil himself has limited supernatural powers and could, if he wanted, use demonic power to do something like this. But I think in this particular case, I think the Lord allows for Samuel to come up and Samuel really speaks. And how do, we, how do I come to that conclusion? because of what Samuel says. He says things that the woman couldn't make up. He predicts what's going to happen. He prophesies that tomorrow Israel's gonna be scattered. The Philistines are gonna defeat you, that tomorrow you and all your sons are going to be dead. You're going to be with me, which doesn't mean in heaven, it means in um, Sheol. Sheol was a place that had the good and the bad, and I suspect that um, Saul went to, to the bad part of Sheol, and I suspect that Jonathan, was physically with Sam, not physically, but was present with Samuel in the good part of Sheol, which we call paradise. So I feel, based off what Samuel actually says, that only Samuel could have said that, and only the Lord could have allowed him to really have been brought up. So it's an interesting, interesting chapter, and there are many opinions on it, but I think that the Lord, the Lord was in this chapter, and the Lord himself was putting um, Saul to death, as we will read in 1 Chronicles 10. 
and it's a crazy, crazy place to be. Saul was someone that rejected the voice of the Lord over and over and over again. He didn't inquire of the Lord. He didn't want to know what the Lord had to say. And um, finally, in the end, he turns to mediums. And so this is how we know that he doesn't really want the Lord, the Lord's voice for his own purposes because he's willing to do his own thing to find out what he wants to know to help himself feel a little bit better. When you or I seek the Lord and we want to know what the Lord wants, let's, let's endeavor or let's resolve that we want to know what the Lord has to say so that we can do what he says. Let's not seek the Lord for our own purposes because that's a trap that we so easily can fall into. We want to know, Lord, how can I my business succeed? Or Lord, how can I overcome this problem? We often seek the Lord for our own purposes and the Lord wants to help us with those things. But let us seek the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want? And that's another whole question. And that's, see, that's what David used to do. And that type of thing will change your life. Heavenly Father, we want to know what do you want us to do? Lord, what's your will? And here today I pray on behalf of everyone listening and, and on part, behalf of myself, Lord, we are your servants. Lord, reveal your will to us and give us the grace to obey. I pray that we would be people completely unlike Saul, but like the example of David, who, who inquire, Lord, fill our heart with a love for Christ. Fill our heart with a love for obedience to Christ. Fill our heart with a love for the things that you love. In Jesus' name, amen.